Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. We're studying these power doctrines now. I'm glad I brought it to this point. We've looked briefly, and we'll give, I'll hem haw around here a minute to give them a chance to get back in here. Briefly review. We have studied the power of the Word of God, the power of the name of Jesus, and now we begin to study the power of the Holy Ghost, but today we're going to work a little bit, maybe today, maybe next week. I don't know how, how far this will go, but when I was younger and worked in the, in the secular world, Seems like I always had a, a job that had an element of danger to it. And uh, one of the most intimidating was, was being a lineman. Now, that's not a football lineman. That's somebody who climbs the, <laughs> climbs the utility poles. And I was a technician for, for two different cable companies in the area. And uh, one thing you don't want to do is get up into that electricity because you have to have certain uh, training to deal with electricity. I mean, you do. You don't go out there and just, you know, start grabbing wires and, and, and poking stuff here and there. You'll get, you'll get rudely interrupted doing that. And so, uh, you know, I was always uh, noticing how careful. Back then it was HLMP, Houston Light and Power. And uh, those guys, man, I tell you, because I, I would have to, I'd be like where there was a wreck or something, a pole would get knocked over. So we'd, uh, it'd always be uh, power, uh, power, telephone, cable. So we'd have to all go out and rebuild everything that was tore up by the... And those guys were consummate professionals. I mean, they dotted every I and they crossed every T. And the reason is, is every one of them have friends that they worked with that they attended their funeral. Because there's so much power up in those hotline wires that if you don't have the correct training, amen, and it's like that for a lot of stuff, you know. We talk about many, many times uh, uh, people in the medical world. I mean, you don't want some amateur working on your heart. Say, well, we got this, you know, here's the, here's the, here's the five-star hospital where you can get, you know, five-star treatment. But if you can't get that, well, we've got this little place back here where, you know, this guy's cleaned a few fish. He might can dig in you and figure out, <laughs> you know, you're not going to go there. You want somebody that's got some training now listen to me, and that training has created some character in them that helps them understand how powerful the things that they're working with are and how much not only do they need to be protected in working with that, but they need to protect others as they work. Well, what do you think we're handling? My goodness, we're handling the power that created the universe, not just the power that lights a building. We're handling the very power of life itself and that God would even trust us with a minute little bit of that is an amazing phenomenon. So there are certain things we can look at in the Word of God that will help us understand how these, these great power doctrine operates, but not just have an understanding, have a working knowledge so that they can work in your life. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll see that in a scripture here in just a moment. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I had several angles I could come at this. And I, so I was praying yesterday, I was up here at the office, and the Lord, what angle should I come? And the Lord said, come from the gifts. 
I said, what do you mean the gifts? He said, come from the gifts, come from the angle or come from the standpoint of the gifts. See, every one of you, it's not just the gift of salvation or the promise of the baptism. Every one of you possess a gift from God. You understand that? And all three parts of the Godhead. That's why oneness doctrine just does not cut it because all parts, all three parts of the Godhead literally supply a gifting to the body of Christ. Now in Ephesians chapter 4, we see the gifts that Jesus gave. Amen? Let's read just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me find it here. It says, uh, it says he gave some apostles... Some prophets, but now notice the word some. Now when God means all, He says all. Remember last week we looked at the baptism and the Holy Ghost and they were what? How many were filled? Of the 120, how many got it? All. So when God means all, He means all. When He means some, He means some. Amen. So He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now notice this. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen to, the, listen to this other translation in the, uh, in the Passion Bible. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all of the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Now let me say something, church. Listen, we've been a church now, I think, 22 years, going on 22 years. We've, we've seen and implemented tons of programs. Church growth, church building, this, that, get people, keep people. Listen, God has to move in a certain way. And there has to be enough of the movement of God to keep people and to hold people where people care enough about what they're hearing, what they're receiving, to stay around long enough for their character to be developed. Amen. I would say the majority. Now, we've had people leave the church over the years to go do one, wonderful things, wonderful ministry. We've got people like that. We've had others that's had to move because of particular reasons. Many of them still follow us, and many of them you guys are still friends with. But others just seem like they just pick up gone. You know, many times that happens when the pressure of being in a church and developing your character pushes against you in such a way in which you have to make a choice that may embarrass you or may cause you some kind of duress because you have to make an adjustment in your character to get back to the place you're supposed to be in the kingdom of God so that you can be effective. Amen? You say why? Because church growth is right here in this scripture. Every one of you have a ministry. But it's not the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You have the ministry of the body of Christ. If you're not in the sum, and I found out about the sum, you can't go to school and say, I want to be one of the sum. You can't do that. Those are chosen by God. Who does God choose? Fools. Foolish people. People that when they, got, when they get up and start to teach and preach, you've got to look at them and say, that's got to be God, because any other way they couldn't do that. <laughs> now you may laugh, but it's true. It's the truth. So that just the person up teaching and preaching you will be a witness to you of the glory of God. Amen? But God wants you to know that He gives the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher to help you enter into the ministry of the body of Christ so the saints of God can do the work of the ministry as the, as the, as the ministry of God teaches and preaches and brings the Word of God to you. Amen? Now notice, 
Some. Everybody say some. The apostle has a unique ministry in the church. The prophet has a unique ministry in the church. The evangelist has a unique ministry in the church, and so does the pastor-teacher. Now, the pastor-teacher has been called by God to oversee the church. Now, I say this, and this may help some of you that may pastor one day. Men and women that I have into this church, I will not have any man or woman in this pulpit that can't name their pastor. Somebody call me up and say, I want to have a meeting. I say, who's your pastor? Can I talk to your pastor? Amen. You say, why? Well, even an apostle understands submission and authority. And we have a, I, I believe we have the most powerful apostle on the planet. It comes to this little church right here. I mean, he's got the fruits of the apostle. He's got many churches all over the world. And when he comes and teaches, he teaches on the level of an apostle, and he teaches apostolic messages. If you have an ear tuned to that, there's been times when he's been teaching, I've been going, I hope people are hearing this. Because it is a different message. An apostle, how can I say this? An apostle is kind of like the producer of a movie or the producer of a, like an architect looks for somebody to, to come in and gather all the different crafts of everything together. Many times apostles can start churches, but they can't pastor them. They can't pastor them. They can get them started. They can get people gathered. But as far as the assembly goes, you need a pastor teacher to bring an assembly of people together. Amen? Then the prophet, man, that's the most misused ministry in the body of Christ. Listen, number one, there are no Old Testament prophets on the earth. Nobody on the planet is called by God to direct the body of Christ. We go this way, we go that way, we do this or that. You say, why not? Because God's given us the Holy Ghost for that. And let me say this, no prophet has been given to direct you. You're not to be led by the word of a prophet. You're not, you're not, listen, if you did get a word from a prophet, you should pray about it. You should take chapter and verse. You know how we, we, we teach on, on receiving words here. Number one, does it agree with your spirit? Amen. Number two, does it line up with the word of God? Amen. Number three, is it something practical and applicable? I mean, if somebody, you know, prophesies to you that you're going to learn to fly like a bird and fly around all these churches and impress everybody, you may not believe them. But Jesus, everybody say Jesus. He gives five, everybody say five, beautiful gifts into the body of Christ to perfect you so you can handle the power. Now listen to me. So that when you go next door and pray for your neighbor, they get healed. When you go next door and minister to your neighbor's daughter who's strung out on crack, they get delivered. Come on, church. And when you sit down at your neighbor's table, when they've had a loss in their family, you're able to lead them to the Lord and show them very plainly there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. That's the ministry you're called to. Amen. Now, go to Romans. Romans chapter 12. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Now, we're going to look at Romans... Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't go to Rome. No, no, Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Lord. I'll get it here. There we go, Romans chapter 12. Now, God, everybody say God. God. God gives gifts. Jesus gives gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. Now, I did the ministry gifts first, Jesus. Now, we're going to look at the motivational gifts. 
Then we're going to look at the spiritual gifts. Amen. Now, I don't think we'll get to the spiritual gifts today. If we do, we won't get to all of them. But here's the thing, church. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, born again, you're a candidate to be used by God with the gifts of the Spirit in your life. We see public display here in church services. But I want you to know, even in the Word of God, we see private ministry many times with the gifts of the Holy Ghost in operation in which people are tremendously blessed. It can enhance your job, your marriage, everything you do about life. If you've got the Holy Ghost out there leading you, guiding you, and then empowering you with gifts, come on, church. Hallelujah, that's the only way to live. Now, Romans chapter 12, I'm not going, for, for time's sake, the first couple of verses, you know, we'd have, to, we'd have to spend the rest of the service on that. So go to verse 3. Now notice how he writes, how the Holy Ghost inspires him. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, we'll say it like this, every man or woman that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man or woman the measure of faith. Everybody say measure of faith. But notice the word soberly. Now this is an area in which you're going to have to really apply yourself to stay sober. Because you can live and function under the influence. Let me say that again. Anybody work in the workforce back in the 70s? Some of, you, some of you are my age. Everyone was stoned, in case you didn't know. I, listen, there's no way to describe the horror I felt knowing that in all these plants, all these people driving around working on all these lines, all these people are all stoned out of their minds. All of the people drilling for oil out in the ocean, stoned out of their minds. I'll tell you a funny story. I got a job with Mission Drilling as a, as a young roustabout offshore drilling oil wells. Well, I was a hippie. And I had to work seven days on, seven days off. And I thought to myself, how am I going to go seven days without smoking no weed? And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I, I go over here to the, to the Pelican Island to get on a helicopter. And all these guys, man, I mean, they're hair, they, their necks are red and their hair is shaved. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I snuck a little corncob pipe and a little bag of weed. And we were on a ship with a big derrick in it. And I'd go down in the bottom and I'd get high at night. And nobody knew. And so one day, the, the, the tool pusher, Jack Bracey, him and his buddies had just gotten home from Vietnam about four years before, called me up to his office. And he was from Columbia, Mississippi. I knew they were going to kill me and throw me over the side. So I go into his office, and he's sitting there, and he kicks back in his chair, puts his feet up on the desk. He pulls his desk out, and he reaches in there and pulls out one of the biggest bags of weed I ever saw in my life. And he says, can you roll a joint? I thought it was a trick question. Kind of like went, well, yeah. He said, roll all these up. And so I did. And I worked there for almost a year. 
And those people were stoned out of their mind. The helicopter pilot was stoned out of his mind. Everyone was stoned out of their mind under the influence. But here's the thing. That was normal. That's why they functioned. That's why we kept the cable on. That's why we drilled the wells. That's why we loaded the ships. Because being stoned out of your mind or being under the influence was normal. The the athletes were all stoned. I read the deal from Sugar Ray Robinson, the great boxer, talking about how stoned he was all the time. Everyone under the influence. Now we've traded the chemical for the information. Because people are just as under the influence of information today as people were under the influence of drugs 30, 40 years ago. You say, what do you mean by that? We have this huge flow. And I let me get get ready, church. Get ready. Because, honey, you're fixing to get it 24-7, and they're going to start downloading, and they're going to say, this is God, and this is God, and this is God, and this is God, and everybody's going to go, this is revival, and this is that, and they say, you better know by the Word of God, and you better know by that still small voice in your heart what you're chasing after, least you chased after something that will bring you into darkness. Jesus himself said of these days, there'll never be days like it that were before or ahead. And if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. But I'm going to take them out of here before they're deceived. Amen. Amen. So here, don't let anyone, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. I don't let people talk to me on levels that hurt me. You say, what do you mean? Like both this, this and this. I don't let people, oh, you powerful pastor, traveling evangelist. I don't let people talk to me like that. I'm just me. Anything that happens here is God. It's God and God alone. Amen. And I don't come under the influence of even my own success or my own, quote, spiritual prowess that I have. That's all God. That's God. None of that's me. If any of it was dependent upon me, honey, we'd be in a lot of trouble. More trouble than we're in right now. Amen. So don't think of yourself more highly than you. Think soberly. Stay sober in your mind. That may mean having to turn some stuff off. Now, let me just say this, too. There is a subtle movement of information toward the narrative that the world system wants. Has nothing to do with government. Has nothing to do with Republican, Democrat. Has nothing to do with elections. It has to do with the continual moving forward of the takeover of the satanic world system. It's happening right in front of our eyes. And you're going to have to cut that information off because it will open doors into your mind in which those harassing spirits can get in there and make you subject to losing your sobriety. Amen? Now... One of the ways we stay sober is to understand each other because we are called to live with each other forever. You say, I don't like you. Get used to it. (laughs) Amen? We're going to be around a while. But now God is so, listen, he's so wise. He He knows how to take and impart into us and then categorize what we need in order for us to understand each other so we can learn to interact and work together like a body works together. So God gives us all what's called motivational gifts. Gifts on the inside. A lot of times people, well, that's just my personality, the way I do things. But in actuality, it's God's gift to you. 
That's how God blesses you or motivates you. And if you understand that in yourself, you're able to turn it on when it needs to be turned on and pull it back when it needs to be pulled back. You'll understand that as we go through a couple of these. Secondly, you're able to understand that in someone else, and you may just get one of these, oh, that's why they are the way they are. I had to do that with Lee. I'd married her about two years, and I told God, listen, you know. I know there's no punishment built into this thing, but come on. Well, I found out her motivation, totally opposite than me. And I kind of went, oh, that's why she's like that. Now notice, here we go. For we have many members. Everybody say members. He's talking, talking body, in one body. And all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. Now that right there ought to motivate you to love the person next to you because you just like them. We're members one of another. We're members one of another. Amen? Now notice. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace of that is given us. Now, this is a grace that God has put in your life. According to the grace God has given us, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, hold on, whether prophecy, I'll mark that out, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, or he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now you see all that in there? Every one of us have a major motivation listed right here. And we have also several minor working in us. Now, the thing to do is, number one, understand God's given us human inventory right here. He says, here's how people are made up. Here's how I made them up. Here's how I created them. I created them with motivations. First of all, there's, what's that first one there? There's the motivation of, let me find it again, ministry. Everybody say ministry. It says, our ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Now, that's not a good translation. A better translation would be serving. Now, there are men and women in the body of Christ that are motivated to serve. Now, when I say serve, literally that is the ministry of helps. Everything from praise and worship to working with the kids to doing this to doing that. But here's the thing. We ought to all have that motivation in us to the point that we're willing to do anything that lends aid or assistance to the move of God or to the body of Christ. But some people are just motivated to do it. Now, listen to it. you got to get out of their way. The worst thing you can do is take somebody motivated to serve and not let them serve. 
The people that want to cook the food when we have a fellowship. The people that want to do stuff when we do stuff. Those are the people you need to get out of the way and let them do it. Because why? They're motivated to do it. They're not doing it for you. They're not doing it for the pastor. They're not doing it for the church. They're motivated by God and they're doing it unto God. It's a motivation on the inside. Now, if you push too far in that, then you're pushy. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. Amen. So you have to learn how to yield to it so it's a blessing and how to pull it back so it won't be a hindrance to someone else. Some people are just motivated to serve. They're servant-hearted people. Amen. Then secondly, it says, what's the second one there? On teaching? I think it's teaching. I used to teach on this stuff all the time. He that, he that ministered, let him made on minister. Or he that teacheth on teaching. That's not the teaching gift. We just talked about the teacher. In the fivefold ministry gift, the gifts that Jesus gets, that's not the same thing. Now, this is a motivation. Everybody say motivation. Now, people that are teacher motivated. Now, that's my wife. Leah's teacher motivated. So when we got married, she started making lists. She had lists to keep up with her list. And she would say, now we need to do this and this and this and this and this. And then we need to do this and this. And I'm leaving to go to the shop and here's a list for you. I've never had a list. so. <laughs> but people who are teacher motivated like to know everything is in order. They're your order people. It doesn't matter. People can be, they're being raised from the dead in the altar. Hundreds are coming to the altar. Miracles are happening, you know. But no, 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 no. Do we have the right list? Amen. Minister, I missed the first one. Prophecy. Oh, how can we forget prophecy? I'll come back to the teaching gift. But the prophecy, that's the first. Uh, so we think that's some prophet. No, 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 that's not a prophet. People that are prophecy, I love teaching on prophecy motivated people because they're very unique. My mom was a prophecy motivated person. So if you walked up to mom and said, mom, I'm, I'm just... Now, if you walked up to pops and said, pop, I'm, not, I'm just having a hard... He puts his arms around you. He comforts you. And mom would say, get the sin out of your life and you'll be just fine. <laughs> That's mom. That's mom. Many times when you think you need someone, and we'll study this in a moment, an exhortation person, the cheerleaders of the body of Christ... You think, I need somebody to exhort. God will send a prophet-motivated person into your life. And what's a prophet? There's no gray areas. No. Is or isn't. You either do it or you don't. Prophecy. You can't tell them. You tell them your best joke, they go, what does that mean? Now, don't get me wrong. We get my mom laughing. Couldn't get her to stop. But it just seems like Prophecy-motivated people tend to be very serious, very focused, but they do have answers. And many times, you know, you're, you're really needing some comfort and some peace, and someone will come into your life and say, well, here's what you need. You need to get back in the Word. You need to start praying. You need to start tithing and offering. You need to start going to church. You need to get your life in order. Tell you, do. you can just forget it. You're going to live in hell. See you later. <laughs> That's what they do. But there are times when you need that. There are times when you need somebody to come into your life and grab you by the shoulders and shake you and say, stupid, 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 wake up. 
and that's what prophecy motivated people too. And if you don't understand that, then automatically, what happens automatically? Somebody does. They're all of the devil. Oh my God. No, God's just trying to keep you somewhere so he can be the potter and you can be the clay. Amen. Prophecy motivated people. There, I tell you, that can be something else. I tend to be that way. <laughs> but I've, I've, I've smoothed off some of the rough images. Leah has helped me greatly. Amen. But take back to the teaching motivated people. You know, Leah, she's, she, we, we, we would run crusades, do things, you know, all over. And, 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 and whether, you're, whether you're serious in ministry or just, or just trying to have a good time, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, this, is, this is the schedule. <laughs> so so we're, we're in Hawaii. We have this glorious crusade. People are saved and healed. And del- so Monday morning, you know, everything's over, and we got five days in Hawaii to have fun. So I'm supposed to take the ministry group snorkeling at 10 a.m. So, you know, I've got my brother who's not a good influence on me. <laughs> and a few other souls, and we're in, we're in town. We got up before sunrise and drove into Honolulu because the surf was good. And it's one of those, y'all, y'all don't know this, only Alan can relate to it, but it's one of those one more wave days. You say, what do you mean one more wave days? It's just so good, you just got to go get one more. And you know, it gets to be 9.45, 9.50, 10 o'clock. So I get back about 11.30. <laughs> And Leah's standing in front of the Sheraton Makaha like this. And so I drive up there, and instead of, you know, correcting me gently, as a, as a, she says, you've lost all the integrity you've ever had. And I'm like... I said... Well, that's, that's, a, that, that, that's a pretty strong blow right there, amen? I didn't have any, I didn't have any prophecy-motivated words to, re, to respond to her. But that's the teaching. Now, you need them in your life. You say, why? It keeps, keeps the trains running. Those are the people that keep the trains running. Those are the people that keep things moving, keep things going. That, that teacher, y'all want to do one more? Now, here's the thing. You've got to learn how to press into it. And then when you're, everybody around you is getting irritated, that's a sign you may need to back off a little bit. This is sure helping, isn't it? We'll do one more if we can, if we can stand it. Oh, yeah. Are he... Or she that exhorteth on exhortation. That's a good one to stop with. You say, well, that's, that's the cheerleaders. That's the, you're going to make it. Glory to God. Yes. Hallelujah. I believe with you. Yes. Glory to God. I mean, that's the exhorters. They're exhorters, you know. Yes. They exhort you. They build you up. They're the ones that are constantly, con- and you know, here's the thing. It's, it's one of the most wonderful motivations used correctly. You turn the dark side of it on, and you're just a nag. Whether you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter. Amen? 
But you get on the right side, of, there's been times when I've been pressing into things and, then, and I get a phone call from somebody or, I, or so I'd meet somebody or somebody and they would just exhort me and I would walk away from them. Man, that's just what I needed. Glory to God. That was awesome. Amen. They tend to be very, very, uh, have great personalities. Very, uh, what would you call it? A very uh, magnetic, charismatic type individual. Uh, you know, with the uh, people are kind of drawn to them. People kind of like to be around them because they're always exhorting, always exhorting. But that's one of the things you got to be careful of as an exhorter. Because there are some people that are at the point in which they really don't need exhortation. They need a prophecy motivated person, but they may gravitate to you and come to you for exhortation when actually they need some correction or some adjustment so they can get their joy back. Yeah. Amen. So being an, you know, a, a person that's real uh, exhortation motivated, many times they make wonderful uh, people on the praise and worship team. They make uh, great counselors and people that do that sort of thing. But here's the thing. You've got to also be willing not to allow your personality to become the completeness of your exhortation because it is a spiritual gift from God. Because sometimes what we do is we get so bubbly in our personality, we may, we may forget that exhortation many times may come quietly or may come passively. You know, this is really cool. I'll close with this. I, I had a friend I grew up with and... Uh, his family contacted me, and he was in, in real dire needs. He was dying. And so I'm like, you know, I mean, I grew up with so many people and, that, that have died, and I, I'm afraid some of them didn't make heaven. And I don't want anybody to go to hell. So I really said, Lord, I don't know what to do. What can I do? Can I, is there, here's how I pray, and I said, is there anything I can do? And you know what the Lord told me? He said, write a letter. I thought, write a letter? And so I prayed another day, I think it was, and I, that was so strong. So I sat down and I wrote a letter and I thought, I hope this is the right. You ever done that? You feel like you're obeying God and you're like, I hope this is the right thing, you know. And so it's about two weeks later, they, I got a call during the day and that he was basically dying. He was at a hospital up here off of uh, Sagemont. And so I went up there. I just rushed up there. And his wife was there and his two daughters were there. And so I started talking to them about a situation in his life that he needed to get right, that he got right. And then I said, what about his soul? What about heaven? And they just lit up. And they said, last night we told Daddy all about Jesus. And he made Jesus his Lord and Savior. And now he's ready to go to heaven. And this is what they said. It was that letter you wrote him. It was that letter you wrote him. He said, whatever you said in that letter. He said he would not let go of that letter for days. He just held on to it and read it and held on to it and read it. And then when we talked to him about Jesus, he just made Jesus his Lord. See, so you've got you to gotta follow the Spirit because, you know, in doing that, God can take, and the point I'm making is you can get so caught up in the emotional side of exhortation that you miss the spiritual side of it. So always be willing to allow God. And listen, on the other side of it, how to receive an exhortation person. Because there's people that, you know, well, I don't like people coming up to me again. You might need to just get over that. You might need some exhortation. But if a person is an exhortation person, comes into your life and is really cheerleading you to come on across the line in something, you might ought to listen to that and allow it to inspire you to do that. Because we should all... Now, what did we just talk about in Ephesians 4? 
that we're all called to what? Minister. Now can you see where this ministry comes from? Where is this power deposited? It's deposited in our ministry, certainly to the world, to cast out devils and to, and to, and to get the sick healed and to do those types of things. But that power is also, also deposited in the church for us to help each other. For us to grow one another. For that, for us, that's why when, when anybody gets into to, to a, a real church setting and begins to do something counter to what the Holy Ghost is doing, it's amazing how quick it comes to the surface. You say, why? Well, wrong motivation. Wrong motivation. Amen? You know, in the Leonine, the changes of our life, we've always got on our knees and prayed over our motive. Why are we doing this? Why are we motivated to do this? What is this? Listen, don't just go through life following after every spirit thing you hear speak into your head. You can't do that. Everything must be judged by the Word of God and by your own personal inward witness. Don't, don't listen. The devil knows how to be so spiritual. He can supply a feeling, an atmosphere, a presence. He can supply anything your old gullible mind would need to convince you of a lie. He'll do it. That's why we tell people, don't seek dreams. Don't seek a vision. Don't go out there and, you know, I want to get a vision. I want to see Jesus. Don't do that. The devil will oblige you. Every man or woman I knew that ever had a legitimate vision, you say, how do you know it's legitimate? Because what they saw, they implemented and it worked. Everyone that ever had a legitimate vision never saw it. Never saw it. In fact, one man had a vision of Jesus for an hour and a half and at the end of the hour and a half, he demanded of Jesus scriptural reference for everything he told him. Why not? He's the Word of God. He should have, if he don't have scriptural reference. Amen. You say, why are you saying all that? We're living in a very dangerous time. There's many voices speaking out there. Many voices speaking. Many spirits are moving. But we only want one. We want one to move and one to fall, and that's the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost of God. That's why we're going to study these things that have to do with our character. We pull together, make a greater platform. The Spirit of God can fall, and people can get blessed. People can be touched by God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship Him. Father, we worship You. Thank You for these wonderful giftings. Lord, we thank You for the ministry gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. We revere them. We honor them. We thank you, Father, for the ones you sent into this house. The awesome, awesome apostle, the awesome prophet, the awesome evangelist, the powerful pastors and teachers that we're so blessed to sit under their ministries. We thank you for it, Father. Now, Lord, as we close our service today, we ask the Spirit of God would move gently amongst the heart of God's people, bringing gentle conviction in any area, Lord, in which we may need to make adjustments. I pray for anyone that would be here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would understand how much you love them, that they would understand what you did to redeem them, to save their life, and how easy it is to enter into a life of the Spirit and live for God here on this earth. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Lord. Now, nobody looking around, we, we bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Then we close our eyes in respect to people around us so that we can give people an opportunity 
to do one of two things. Either to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And listen, you don't really need a lot of teaching or explanation of that. You know. You know whether you're saved or not. You know whether you'll go to heaven or not. You know if you were to die. You say, I don't know what would happen to me if I were to die. Then you need to. You need to get saved. You need to know. Or if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I, I've been saved. But you know, I've been living right. I've been doing right. I just need to be right with God. So we're not going to ask you to come up to the front or anything like that. We just, want, we just want to pray so that you'll know you're right with God. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not. I'm not right with God. Please pray with me. Would you lift your hand? Anyone at all? Praise God. We see one hand. God bless you. You can put it down. If anybody else would raise their hand. Another. God bless you. Anyone else? Another. God bless you. Anyone else? There's another. That's three. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God loves you so much. He's just, he's, just trying to, he's just trying to get you right back into the fold, right back into the household of God. Anyone else? Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be right with God. Please pray with me. I think we have, what, three, four? Raise their hand. Praise God. Amen. Well, everybody, look this way. Here's what we're going to do. Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. And now we're going to pray out loud, everyone in here, out loud, so your own ears, your own ears can hear what your mouth is saying. And once you pray that prayer, you settle it. I'm right with God. I'm going to stay right with God. Amen? Can I get a better amen? Church, you going to help us out? Everybody pray this. Here we go. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, God. You sent your son Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, seated at your right side. I declare him my Lord and my Savior. Areas of my life in which I have weakness. I need you, Lord. Thank you for your blood. It cleanses me from all sin and all unrighteousness. I ask your forgiveness. But I also ask your power to repent and turn from anything that does not please you. Thank you, Father. As I stand at Island Church the last Sunday of April, 2023, I'm born again, right with God. Jesus is my Lord. Heaven is my home. I'll never be the same. Jesus. Amen. Give him a hand clap, church. Come on. You that prayed that prayer, be sure and tell somebody as you're leaving, I prayed that prayer. It's good to testify that you're right with God. Amen. Praise God. I think we've got an awesome week coming up. The fishers are going to be here. Listen, if you've not been in service with our friends from Hong Kong, you need, they're such a delight. Come be with us in service on Wednesday night. And then I think Friday night is movie night. So we got a fun week. We got prayer on Thursday night. So a lot of good stuff. It's good to be in church. Good to hang around righteousness. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today as we close our service. Thank you for your goodness, your grace. We cover all of the men and women here with faith and love. Surround them with faith and love. Declaring over our lives this week that we are the protected. We are the kept of God. No evil befalls us. 
No plague comes nigh our dwelling. Angels have charge over us. And we declare in the name of Jesus, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any type of righteous labor with our hands, with our minds, thank you, Father. We are kept and protected by you. Devil, we bind you in the name of Jesus. We cancel assignments. We say you are defeated. We will not entertain your thoughts, your ideas in any way. In Jesus' name, you are under our feet. Thank you, Father, for revival. Oh, we thank you for it. We see the cloud the size of a man's hand beginning to grow, beginning to grow, Lord. And we thank you for not only the Spirit of God moving among us like he has so beautifully, we thank you that he's going to begin to fall in an unprecedented way to bring honor to Jesus and blessing to people. Lord, as we leave today, we leave walking in faith and love towards you, walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Lord. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.